Well, hello there, and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. This is episode 26 of our podcast, and you can find all our previous episodes over on animationforadults.com. You can find them on Stitcher, you can find them on iTunes and podcast.com as well. And I am Chris, and I am joined as always by my lovely co-hosts, co-writers of Friends. I am joined by... Hello, Dad! Hi, Chris. How's it going? Yeah, good, thanks. You? Yeah, not so bad. And Rachel, hello, Rachel. Hey, Chris. How's it going? It's going good. A little tired, but I'm I'm trucking. I'm keep going to keep going. Awesome. We'll get through this. It's okay. <laughs> and and returning for the first time this year. Well, not returning for the first time this year. <laughs> returning and appearing for the first time this year. Avon's here. Hello, Avon. Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> Triumphant return to the podcast. <laughs> 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 yes, Avon has obviously been very busy with Animation Nights New York and um, its new new position at the Out to Seek Festival. Yes. Yeah, the, it was the premier, as you know, is the premier event for uh, the Out to Seek Festival third annual Odyssey Festival in the South Street Seaport. And, um, yeah, it was great. It was, that was great, but I can talk about that later. But, um, yeah, I've been busy because I've been sort of co-producing. Um, uh, I've had co-production responsibilities for Odyssey as well. So, yeah, lots going on, but it's all really good stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, happy and busy. <laughs> Yay! So, it, it's a while since I've done this. Uh, this is the first, <laughs> first podcast of the year where I am back in the host chair because if you tune, if you're a regular listener and you tuned into the other episodes this year so far you instead of hearing me babbling on at the beginning you would have heard the dulcet tones of rachel here um, <laughs> and, i don't know uh, about dulcet tones but <laughs> don't do yourself down uh yeah um so uh it's probably it's partly because I was sick, which was annoying and rubbish and stuff. Um, but we were actually talking about um, previously, just before that, we just happened to be talking about maybe um, having other people present shows and stuff. And so I would just like to say officially that Rachel and I are going to be sharing the hosting duties go forward. Yep. Awesome. So, Sometimes you'll, you'll hear Chris or you'll hear me. It's it will. I think the plan is we'll be switching it up every every couple of weeks, right? Yep. Um, obviously, we'll both normally be there, but <laughs> it's just the one who who's in the host chair each week <laughs> is going to vary. Um, and also another little bit of site news in relation to animationforadults.com, Something that went up this week is our our big feature on. 2016, the year ahead in animated film, uh, which is a little, well, a big article that I wrote about all the films that you can expect to see in cinema near you this year. Um, it's got, well, it's a mix of things that are, some things that are coming out, um, like in the US and UK, but also some that have actually already come out in the US, but coming out in the UK this year as well. So, There'll be some things that you might be going, that's not a 2016 film. Well, it is somewhere. <laughs> um, so, distribution. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think there were some some films that are on both our 2016 preview and our 2015 preview. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I think the little prince got bumped, so I think that was on the 2015. Um, and Boy and the Beast, because I was hoping it was going to come out in 2015, and it <laughs> it sort of did. Um, um, but it's coming out supposedly in America in February, and maybe sometime in the UK this year. Uh, not confirmed yet. <laughs> uh, okay, so we're going to be talking later about acting in animation um and that's going to be our main topic but before that we're obviously going to talk some animation news and some stuff we've been watching and all our usual topics and there's been quite a lot going on this week in the animation world um so we start with the big story and that is that the oscar nominations came out this week so that means that the best animated feature oscar nominations were announced as part of that and it's a pleasant surprise. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, when I was looking into it myself, like I was really, you know, shocked. I mean, obviously there were some uh, some of the nominations were no surprise, but then at the same time it was a lot more well rounded, you know, group of movies than I mm. originally expected from the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, because there was a lot of buzz around certain films. People were saying like that they might get nominated, and I was just. I was thinking, no, 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 it's too good to be true. We're gonna, <laughs> it's there's too many big, high-profile studio films this year, and I was expecting the Golden Globes nominations to be repeated everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was expecting to see Inside Out, um, Good Dinosaur, Peanuts movie, Shaun of Sheep, and The Nobelisa. And what we've actually got is Inside Out, Shaun the Sheep movie, um, Lisa and boy in the world and when Marnie was there um, so that's another double double hitter for G-Kids again yeah <laughs> for, mm. the, for the third time they've, they've, they've got a they've got a roll going I, I hope it keeps going at this point I mean we, we always say about um, in the animation world that a nomination is basically as good as a win because because mm. we all know where this is going to go yeah. <laughs> Disney. Not that it's not entirely undeserving, but yeah, because they just by default <laughs> they just goes. Is there a Disney? Is there a Pixar? So if there's both, I guess they they get confused. But handily, they and vote for Big Hero Six. <laughs> well, there wasn't a Pixar film to choose from. Okay, fair enough. So. If there's one, if there's both, then they don't know what to do, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it's always going to be the, a Disney or Pixar, generally. Um, so I'm in this strange position where I really love Inside Out, and I think it's amazing, but I'd kind of like it to be something else that wins it, but I know it won't. Show the sheep! <laughs> I'd like it to be... I, I haven't seen it, and this is like kind of indicative to me of like how little like that even matters when it comes to the Oscars. <laughs> but I'd like Anomalisa to win to prove just to give it a higher profile. Yeah, to uh, say you can't have an animated, you know, film that's more aligned with a adult subject matter, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of buck the trend a little bit. I mean I'm I think it's a really strong lineup. Um, it is an incredible you know, with Inside Out, when Marnie was there. I haven't know. seen, yeah, I haven't seen Anomaly Story or Boy in the World. But, I mean, 
like that boy in the world that I got nominated is is quite amazing. Yeah, I'm really happy for that little film. We've got one CG movie. We've got two mm-hmm. stop motion and two tradition two mm-hmm. D animation. The fact we have two stop motion uh, nominees that's actually pretty big. Normally, mm-hmm. it's like just one a year, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And nine, nine, is that? And not one of them's a Leica. I, I have to say, I'm I'm glad that um, there isn't an Ardman and a Leica film in the same year. Because <laughs> yeah, because I don't want anyone to have to choose. Um, Although there's obviously two stop motion anyway. Um, yeah, it was, it was a really nice surprise. Um, and outside that, Inside Out has also been nominated for Best Screenplay, Best Original Screenplay, as it was at the BAFTAs. Very good. It's, it's good to it's good to see an animated film bridging more than just its own category. Mm-hmm. That's very rare when you have um, a you know an animated film that is able to go over Ben's. Like, I'm trying to think one of another film animated. Like, I think the only ones that are coming to mind are, like, some of the earlier, like, um, Disney films. Was Frozen nominated for Best Screenplay? Um, I think... I wouldn't say... I don't think it was Screenplay. I think their, um... The song Let It Go was definitely nominated for, um... Was it... Was it sc- I don't think it was Score that was the category. It was... Or because Best they, Original they were, Song. A, yeah, Original Song. Yeah. I know that was definitely in there, and they had um, Indina Menzel sing it at the Oscars, I think. But I don't, I don't know if it actually won. I think that's the other category they kind of probably have normally have sewn up. Disney, um. mm-hmm. well, <laughs> they've got good songwriters. What can you say? Although I have to say, I was gutted that no film, no song from Muppets Most Wanted got nominated because that was another great soundtrack from Brett McKenzie. <laughs> <laughs> was wasn't quite as good as the first one, but there were still some great songs. No, I love Muppets Most Wanted. It's really grown on me. I watched yep. that more than the, the first one. Well, the 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 first the first yeah. new one. The first new one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've listened. Might have listened to the soundtrack on Spotify quite a bit as well. <laughs> um, yeah, and also there is the best animated shorts, um, and the nominations are Sanjay Super Team from Pixar, obviously um, the eventual winner, um, <laughs> alongside Richard Williams and Imogen Sutton's Prologue, which was nominated at the Baftas as well. Don Hertzfeld, World of Tomorrow. And one by a Russian animator called We Can't Live Without Cosmos and something called Bear Story. Hmm. Um, so those are the animated Oscars that are up this year. Um, Sanjay's super team. I'm really happy to see that that made it. Yeah, I wish I'd seen it, but I haven't. Hey, can you believe? No lava, eh? Hey, no lava. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 other. Um, I, I imagine there are lots of people like outside the animation community going, "Where's Peanuts and where's Minions and where's Good Dinosaur?" But I'm just happy to see um, these smaller films be represented. I agree. I do kind of feel bad for Blue Sky though, because I think this is kind of their chance of getting a nomination. Because <laughs> I don't think Ice Age Five is going to do it. No. <laughs> to be no. Honest. 
Sorry, blue sky. Although we still love, I still love your Peanuts movie. It's it was wonderful. Make more like that. Yes, please. We have to make Ice Age films. Um, Peanuts did actually get a raft of um, nominations at the the vis- v- is it you'll know what's it called the VOD <laughs> what's that the the awards ceremony you were talking about the V the VFX oh the visual effects society yeah yeah, yeah um, they nominated in their animation categories um, Peanuts movie actually got more nominations than anything else animation wise so yeah take yeah, that I... I've got that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also in the world of awards, the uh, Golden Globes happened last week after we recorded our episode, and Inside Out won. Uh, <laughs> that's all there is to say about that, really. Not, <laughs> not really a surprise there. And actually, um, apparently, people go on about Disney always giving it to Disney and Pixar, but. Um, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association have only ever given a animated film that wasn't made by Disney or Pixar uh, the Best Animated Feature Award twice. Um, what? And one time was um, last year's How to Train Your Dragon. But every other time, they've just gone with the Disney or Pixar. So they're even worse. <laughs> <laughs> but Inside Out's great. So what are you going to do? <laughs> Like I said, like I said earlier, it's not entire. It's not like Inside Out is completely undeserving of all the praise it gets. Yeah, it is definitely warranted, in my opinion. Speaking of praise, here's something that's not going to get a lot from me. That's not really a, a connection at all, is it? <laughs> hey, hey! At least, at least you tried. I tried. You tried. That's like you the need worst. to vent. It sounds like you need to vent something. That's a terrible segue. <laughs> I've just fallen off a segue. That's what's happened. We need to have a little sound. We need a segue soundtrack uh, or like sound clip for when it succeeds and when it fails. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah. It's the sound of George W. Bush falling off a segue. <laughs> right, okay, uh, use that, please. <laughs> I don't know what that would sound like. Uh, hilarious, I imagine. Hilarious. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, new... Uh, the new trailer for Secret Life of Pets for Illumination Entertainment. Mm-hmm. We talked about the teaser trailer like in one of our very first episodes, and yeah. we, we were quite pleased with it. Were we not? Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was at least from that first trailer, it looked like a really kind of funny, you know, what if scenario within mm-hmm. this apartment complex about what these pets do when their owners aren't home. Yeah. But then, <laughs> turns out that's not the film as that, that, that they that they were in fact making. No, we yeah. did. We we did. I think we talked about this about you know whether they were gonna just go with that, and then the synopsis said about an evil rabbit trying to take over the world or something, and <laughs> that is basically what this trailer is. It introduces the antagonist of the film, who is a fluffy little white rabbit called Snowball who um, is basically trying to liberate, in inverted commas, all the pets from captivity for their owners. Um, and, yeah, this rabbit kind of going to suck, I think. <laughs> the movie didn't need an antagonist. No. It really didn't. You could hang a movie on just what animals do when, when their owners aren't around. Easy. Yeah. You don't. You don't need to put a world-imperiled... Big story on it. 
it's like it's like with, with peanuts the fact that i haven't seen it still but they mm. just they don't try and go with this huge plot or anything do they they no, just... it was a night. It was a self-contained, you know, story and movie. Just like it was, like it came straight out of the comics. Yeah, yeah. but the new there was the the new girl in in town. That was sort of world changing. <laughs> well, that, for she Charlie was a, Brown, <laughs> for Charlie she's... freaking Brown. They exactly. and she, she she was a character from from before as well. Oh, the, little, the little redhead girl, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's classic Charlie Brown. Yeah, material that. Um, yeah, and so there they weren't that original. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, the weird thing about this trailer for me is like the teaser trailer was selling you on this film about like oh what pets do when owners go 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 away, and then this, they have an actual whole world that is theirs underground now. <laughs> it's, it, it, seriously, it's a completely different film all of a sudden. Yeah, I I was quite interested in this film. Uh, I, I'm not now. <laughs> yeah, when you when you add a um, megalomaniacal uh, rabbit into a just you throw that into a movie, you you're basically just trying too hard. I think. I just want to see a dog voiced by Louis C.K. <laughs> there we go. There's a movie right there. It's like I really wanted to like this movie when they ended their first teaser trailer with that um that poodle. Mm-hmm. Just sitting in that really elegant looking apartment flat and then just changing the music from orchestral to like this really hard metal shredder rock and I'm just like, "Okay, all right. This 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 movie looks like it has a sense of humor I can get behind." And then I saw this new trailer and then it, that that sense of humor just went to die. And it was very it, sad. <laughs> and this one ends with rabbit poo droppings joke. Aha! Uh, ha, ha. Uh, aha! Rabbit out of poo! Aha! Rabbit stupid. What What's so, really like funny to me is is like, that first trailer. You could have made the film out of that. Yeah. Like Shaun the Sheep, like the movie, proved that you can make basically a silent movie. With animals and and you know it works and, and you, you don't need Oscar to nominated. load it <laughs> exactly and you don't need to like load it with uh, you know jokes and the script and you know the things that animated movies seem to rely on. Yeah, just put them in a put them in a series of events or. Just put them in, like, present them with hijinks, and then just let the let the characters do what they will. Well, not only that, but this is coming from Illumination, who are the makers of Minions, who say what you want about Minions, but the appeal of those films is not for most people. It's is not the um, plot around it, or whatever. It's very, you know, it's almost silent. You know, just silly little noises, mm-hmm. just classic animation type humor slapstick and silly little noises so you'd think they'd understand yeah they've done this before exactly it's like why are you trying so hard now when you've proved that you don't have to try so hard yeah it's just it's just disappointing but who knows uh it might be maybe it'll still hold itself together yeah maybe we obviously can't judge until we've seen it, but as you can tell, we're not 
terribly holding hope out for this one. <laughs> um, Sorry, but, Illumination. Yeah, they don't care. They're they're just swimming through their their the Scrooge McDuck style of minions money with their second biggest grossing animated film of all time. <laughs> what minions? Yes. Mm. It's past Toy Story 3. It's sitting below Frozen. What? I know. I know. Oh, that hits me right in the childhood. (laughs) (laughs) Ow. (laughs) Okay, let's let's move on to something else that's less painful for me. (laughs) Okay. Um, Another trailer came out this week um, for the second half of Star Wars Rebels. Season 2 um, There was a longer trailer And before that there was a little clip thing That showed you That the series is having a Major guest star from the original trilogy And that is Princess Leia Yeah it's really It's really exciting It's I mean it makes sense that Considering that this is the birth of the rebellion To uh, really to have her I mean I figured she was probably going to be included at, this, at some point but I didn't expect This soon I mean, we've already had a whole bunch of other cameos. Um, I mean, I know Lando, uh, Lando Calrissian had his uh, cameos in the uh, first season. And, oh, God. And then we've had quite a few, uh, you know, with this season, we've had so many cameo characters from uh, from the Clone Wars, too. And it looks like um, in this, the second half of season two, they're going to just keep that ball rolling. And... Tighten up the uh, emotional climax that the season's going to have because oh boy, <laughs> I'm going to cry so hard. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah. One of the uh, one of the cameos I thought that was going to be really interesting. That I was also surprised they were moving in on it so soon, but it makes sense considering the fact that this show is made by the same guy who worked on Clone Wars. Um, they're Oh god, I wonder if I should go in because they're obviously in this trailer. They're showing um that now that Ezra's becoming stronger in the Force, that he's starting to feel the pull between the dark side and the light side Whoa. of the Force. So yeah, that's the, that's hence the dramatic tension that's probably going to be prevalent throughout the rest of the season. But um more so, like there's a you see a character who's a bit covered in shadow. He's got a cloak over him who calls himself the Old Master, um who. Looks like he's going to be having some one-on-one uh, character interactions with uh, Ezra, but if you look really carefully at the um, the close-up you get of his face, he looks awfully familiar to this character that was brought back in Clone Wars, that was kind of dropped off the face of the show after a certain uh, story arc. That people were always wondering what happened, what the heck happened, and well, now we'll finally find out what happened. Cool. One um, actually, one last thing before we move on to the next topic that I thought was interesting, at least in regards to this uh, this new trailer, and given the fact that uh, the Force Awakens has been you know released in theaters, it mm-hmm. seems that like they might be. This is just a hunch, given what they've uh, recently shown us. But uh, you do see Ezra holding a lightsaber, styled in the same way as uh, the primary antagonist in the Force uh, Awakens, Kylo Ren. You know, it's got the long, the main hilt of the blade, and you have the two little things jutting out the side. So I'm wondering if they're probably going to try, whatever they're planning on doing with this season, if they're going to try and make more or foreshadow stuff that could be prevalent in the new mo- in the movies coming out. 
for Star Wars. If they're trying to do that whole, you know, keep everything connected and continuity and all that. I wonder how that's going to work because there's like a 30 year gap. <laughs> yeah, but it's not impossible. I mean, this, you know, the whole lore between the Jedi and the Sith goes on for a long time. Even mm-hmm. long time before the main movies ever happened or the prequel movies in terms of the the continuity. So we'll just see how much, um, you know, how much they're willing to expand on if they, you know, because Disney, Disney loves to try and, uh, you know, at least when it comes to continuity, like to bridge things between movies, shows, and what have you. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they would were going to try and do it here because that way it would keep, you know, the audience at the edge of their seats like, oh, I have to see the next movie now. Because otherwise people aren't going to go watch them. They'll, they'll have a trouble trying to sell those movies. Like, oh, no, no, I don't need to see another Star Wars movie. I don't I'm know, not... considering how, you know, some people love this movie, a majority love this movie, but I've also hear, I've also heard quite a few gripes, so who knows? Yeah, there's always someone. <laughs> this was it's like if this was if this didn't match my fan fiction, I'm going to be completely disappointed. Kind of people. Well, and obviously, there's also the people who feel like they've got to complain um, because they're they're like, what? There's a woman in this film, and she's capable. What? What? <laughs> we can't right. have this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Off. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Um, the um, the streaming uh, video website Viewster uh, recently launched a a premium option called Omikaze, uh, which is rather than just pay to get free video with HD streaming and no, uh, we pay to get ad free video, not free video. That's the complete opposite of what you're doing. You're giving them money to get ad-free video. Um, but they also send you every two months um, a kind of loot crate of um, anime merchandise. Um, and they they started it last year, and they kindly sent me one of their killer kill boxes, and it was very impressive. Um, and you can look that up on their website. Um, but their second box coming up is going to be themed around Naruto, Naruto Shippuden, um, and definitely, so far, it includes a couple of, like, collectible figurines and stuff. That um, makes sense. That's their, uh, I think they're going to be trying to uh, push for a series conclusion this this year. But, I mean, it, it depends on how long they decide to drag their feet on filler. <laughs> well, they have, they keep basically doing some pretty impressive offers by teaming up with people Um like over Christmas, they did a well. I think it's no over Black Friday. They did a deal where you get a, where you subscribe and you get like a um, a free year subscription to Shonen Jump, the digital magazine as well. Um, and over Christmas, they also did a a um, a discount on entry to Anime Expo. Well, at the moment, up until the twenty third of January, if you subscribe to Omikaze, you can get um, a free membership to Otacon, the um, anime convention in Baltimore. Um, for one, it, well, it's the last year in Baltimore, apparently, and then it's going to DC. So sad. <laughs> I would I would frequent that con quite often, as much as you know I could afford to go. So 
it's, I mean, not that Washington, D.C. is uh, that much farther of a trip for me, but still. It's going to be different having a new location. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you can get a free membership to go to this year's convention uh, just by ordering the $29 um, uh, Omikaze box plus handling, and you also get um, the all the perks of videos and everything. Um, obviously, that's going to work out best if you're in the States because um, quite a long way to go to Baltimore um, if you're in Canada or the UK, which are the other places you can get Omikaze. Um, <laughs> but you could, I guess, if you fancy a trip. Um, okay, uh, moving on to a other quick little bit of news is that Matt Groening from The Simpsons and Futurama fame is apparently going to be making an animated series for Netflix. All right. What Which kind is... of, uh, any idea what kind of animated series? None at all. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> we don't really know anything apart from the fact that they're apparently in talks for it to happen and it's probably... Netflix are probably going to order two seasons of 10 episodes each um, to start off with, at least. So, um, and this is basically the kind of thing we want to see happen um, because uh, we've, we've already had um, uh, Bojack Horseman um, was a really good adult animation series. Um, so it's good to see them going in that in that um, direction more and Matt Groening's a bit of a legend so interested to see what Definitely. he'll do next um, right. but that's all that story is that's all the information we've got <laughs> uh, just one very quick last story is the fact that um, Lupin the Third Part 4 which is the latest version of the classic anime franchise is apparently going to be getting an English dub um it has just recently gone on Crunchyroll, um, uh, and I'm going to talk about it in a minute in the What We've Been Watching section, because I've been watching it. Um, and it has just been revealed via Twitter by someone who's working on it that there is a dub um, coming. Uh, it's Richard Epcar was the man in question, um, who is a pretty legendary voice actor who has played roles such as Bato in um, the Ghost in the Shell franchise. Awesome. Um, and he was also the voice of Jingen in the, some of the earlier Lupin dubs. Um, and he confirmed that there is a dub happening and it's reuniting the cast from like, the old dubs they did of the um, uh, Pioneer, back, or is it Gideon, I think. Back in the day, they released a bunch of Lupin on DVD, I can't um, uh, and they had a cast. They had um, someone called Tony Oliver played Lupin, and then um, Michelle Ruff, who is also known as uh, uh, what's her name in Ed Bleach, Rookie Ed Bleach. Uh, ah. She played Fujiko, and yeah, Richard Epcar was Jingen, and they are apparently reuniting for a dub. But we don't know actually where this dub's going to end up. Um, because uh, previous Lupin stuff recently has been released by Discotech, but as far as I know, Discotech aren't in the business of commissioning dubs, um, and I don't think it'll be crunch. Uh, I don't think it'll be Funimation because then it probably wouldn't have shown up on Crunchyroll. Yeah. They'd 
they'd keep it to themselves, I would have thought. So I'm thinking maybe Adult Swim, maybe. Or the other thought was like something like Netflix. Um, um, Adult Swim's possible. They they uh, do they do love the including their anime shows at least on the the tsunami uh, Adult Swim block. But mm, if if um if Space Dandy did okay on Adult Swim, then I could see Lupin working. Um, uh, but Netflix have been getting into anime more, and they they were you know they're big enough to to commission their own dubs. Um, so. That's a possibility as well, but we time will tell, and we'll soon find out. I expect. Um, like I said, that's a good segue into what we've been watching because I've been watching Looper the Third Part Four, and it's awesome. <laughs> I've, I've only watched the, the first couple of episodes, but ah, oh, it's just so good. <laughs> uh, Dan was talking about it last week, um, and just yeah, the animation is really beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's good fun. It's just yeah, uh, mm. and the music is also it. It feels like uh, classic Lupin and everything, but it the animation it's sort of got a kind of similarity with that Fujiko Mind series they did, but um, it's not quite as arty as that because that was um, quite um, an out there series, and this is more more old school. I think um, it's kind of. It's kind of interesting if the whole thing's set in Italy, though, because when you think of Lupin, you think globetrotting, going all over the world to try and nick stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and also, this is apparently like the first Lupin series that's had any continuity. So, they're they're going in a different direction. But so far, what I've seen, I love. Um, I don't have a lot to say about it. Um, and I'm now kind of thinking, should I just hang on and wait to see where this dub ends up? Because um, uh, I, I enjoyed the previous dubs they did of Lupin. Um, I, I, it never came out in the UK, but I imported a couple of the DVDs. And actually, this kind, this is like one of the most similar to Castle of Cagliostro I've seen. I think it keeps reminding me of that. Really? Um, yeah. Um, I don't know why. I think there's obviously lots of. Uh, cool car chases and stuff and um also uh music well i suppose it's it just reminds me of lupin but it 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 particularly reminds me of costa caliostro which could only be a good thing uh um and also this week i uh watched a movie called well called naruto the last movie or Naruto the last, the movie, or Naruto the movie, the last, however you want to call it. Or second um, to last, as it were, because of Boruto, but that's another story yeah. for another day. Because it's totally not the last movie in any way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really confusing what they've done uh, with the continuity, because, in case you don't know, the manga of Naruto has finished, mm-hmm. um, but the anime is still going, but they have then released movies that happen after the end of the manga or the end of the anime that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, they're so, getting a little bit preemptive start on, you know, spoiling what happens. So anyone who's been following the just the anime and not the manga will look at the movies and will be like, wait, what the heck happened? Exactly. Um, and then it's also weird that they've, like, brought this out in, in the UK as well, or in the US, because... 
otherwise, um, yeah, I just it just completely the continuity. <laughs> it's like completely mm. screwed. Um, so if you're trying to not find out how it ends, uh, because the manga hasn't finished. The, the manga has because the manga hasn't finished in the US and UK. No, 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 it finished. I thought. I'm pretty sure it's finished in serialization. I think maybe the no, no. Uh, I'm saying I'm saying in the UK and the US has it finished? Yeah, I think I Are think published. Yeah, because they're a bit behind. I'm pretty sure because I could have sworn I went into my uh, my local bookstore and I was looking because there's a okay. whole there's almost a whole wall of Naruto uh, manga volumes and I'm pretty sure I saw like the last couple mm. on there and so I'm I'm pretty sure they're almost the this, you know, like I said, the serialization is completely caught up. At least, at least in the U.S., it has. But um, yeah, it is. It is interesting how they've, you know, they they push those movies to release, and uh, at least for the, you know, the, you know, this movie, you know, to get both a really, you know, a release and a dub so quickly. Mm-hmm. Yet the anime is still dragging its feet. Like I know the, you know, original, like the Japanese version of the anime is still you know, got a ways to go, like, to slog through filler. And then I don't even know how far back the uh, the dub is. So it's it's really strange. Yeah, and um, so the the way the manga... Well, this isn't... You know, I'm not going to spoil the end. But the way it ends is that there is... The main story ends, like, in one chapter. And then the final chapter is like a, a um, like an epilogue... A flash forward type thing what's happened to the characters etc they're all grown um, up now yeah and this movie happens during the time skip like two years after the end of the series type thing uh so you get to see slightly older versions of the character um so this is like a non-filler movie this actually happens in the continuity um and yeah i, I really enjoyed it i thought it was i think generally the naruto movies are pretty good because you just you just need some ninja action and <laughs> some, some some fights and the characters and there you go, jobs are good and um but I, I actually really like the way they've like aged up the characters. I think they've done a good job with the designs and everything. Um they've given them a bit of maturity and they've actually made the characters actually change in character as well, just not not just look. And obviously there's some cool ninja action and there's ninjas from the moon. Uh, uh, don't ask, <laughs> don't ask. Yeah, don't ask. <laughs> so there's an interesting connection to Princess Kaguya, I think. Yeah, they make a couple, more than a couple allusions to that story because it's such a popular, you know, uh, story in Japanese folklore. So it was only, it was only a matter of time. Not to mention there was an actual character in the show named Kaguya, but that's, and again, don't ask. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you like Naruto and you don't mind having slightly the end spoil a bit, Naruto the Last is out now and there's a review on the website. And yeah, I liked it quite a lot. Um, and just one other thing that I've been watching, I've just started watching an anime series called Beyond the Boundary, um, which is a sort of supernatural fantasy thing. Um it's actually made by a company called Kyoto Kyoto Animation or Kyoto Annie, and this is actually the first time I've seen anything by them. Um, I know I'm behind, um, but are they this, the guys who did K on and I, uh, 
they're quite they they do they do shows like that don't they yeah i believe so um and they also done free as well for the oh yeah yeah those yeah, are both yeah. very nice looking shows yeah what i was going to say is based on on this is my first time seeing uh kayo any show and if they're all like this it is beautiful animation <laughs> <laughs> i was yeah, like the oh. animation and the animation it, and all that stuff is amazing. It's like, whoa, this is gorgeous. <laughs> um, yeah, um, it's like set in a world where there are um, characters who are sort of bounty hunters of um, like otherworldly spirits who uh, are possibly um, come from dreams or something. Um, so it's sort of got a similar sort of idea as things like Bleach and and um, other supernatural anime with beasties coming in and getting um but it's also sort of the high schooly characters doing stuff <laughs> um it's, it's like a bit like anime hogwarts it's kind of like their their part-time job is hunting those alien things um and you get a bit of just them hanging out at school and having character relationships and a bit of them hunting the alien type thing and yeah it's it's very pretty um the action's quite good um and i'm intrigued so far and it's it's a bit weird but i'm i'm intrigued i will have a review up when i finish watching it but that's pretty much what i've been watching <laughs> a bit weird as part of the how, how are you how are you watching that uh, no 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 i got a review copy ah from yes so i'm watching it on dvd and i'd I was thinking this would be very nice on Blu-ray <laughs> because it's very pretty, um, as I might have mentioned. Um, okay, uh, Rachel, have you been watching anything? Uh, a couple things. Um, see, one of those things, uh, just a bit of you know, nostalgia. I, after you know, talking about uh, or thinking about talking about like the new Dragon Ball films, I actually watched some of the older ones that I had on my collection and uh, I think it was the second one that they ever that they made for the series called the um Dragon Ball Z the World's Strongest. Uh-huh. I don't know if anyone's ever watched that but it's um if you're familiar with Dragon Ball Dragon Ball Z but it was um for the longest time that was one of my favorite uh films of the franchise at least until Battle of Gods uh came to, came around and mainly because it was if you compare it to a lot of the other films that came out for like the Dragon Ball Z at least just the Dragon Ball Z show there was probably the most original plots that, you know, of, that the, of all the other films, because the majority, if you notice, if you look at the other Dragon Ball Z films before Battle of Gods, like the most recent ones that came out, a majority of them are all, like, kind of, like, subtle rehashes of what actually, like, the different plot arcs of the show, or characters, or villains, so that's one of the reasons I enjoyed World's Strongest so much, is because it had an original villain, original kind of plot, and just, you know, had me at the edge of my seat from, you know, start to finish. And the animation style for its, you know, age is actually pretty good, too. Very cool. Very good for the, the old style of the animation that the show had. And what else was there? Oh, um, I watched the very first episode. I haven't had ch- time to watch more, but I want to watch more. First, very first episode of One Punch Man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's all I have to say is about that show is, wow, it is, uh, it is an experience, and I'm, 
I found myself laughing pretty hard on more than one occasion while watching that episode. So, like I said, I've only had time to watch the one, but I'm definitely going to want to watch more because it is, I, I kind of adore the sense of humor it has and how it just, it loves to say how much it doesn't care. It's like, we're just doing this for the hell of it, much like our hero. That's all I've had. That's all I've watched of it so far. So we will have to watch more and reconvene and talk about that some more. <laughs> and the last thing I'm going to talk about real quick, I said, not, um, it's an, technically animation related, but more in the video game center of things. Uh, there was a video game that actually came out just two days ago. Uh, it was, I think I believe the name of the developer was uh, Night School. Which is an um, started by two cousins, uh, one of which you, uh, formerly worked at Telltale Games, who made a little game called Oxenfree. It's very interesting. It's very narrative-driven uh, video game, since basically all you're doing is controlling this uh, teenage girl named Alex as she goes with her friends and her new stepbrother to this island off the coast from where they live to just kind of have like a little, you know midnight bash on the beach and uh, drink and party and have fun and while they're there spooky stuff starts to happen and you have to guide her around the various parts of the island with you know the other characters you know some of them get possessed you have to try and find them and save them and, and everything like and all, a whole bunch of other like you know uh, paranormal shenanigans and you know, it really gets unsettling at certain points but uh, it's I just really, it really struck me, like, not only is the animation style really neat, because it's kind of like a zoomed out camera as you look on the character, you know, the uh, character, characters walk around the screen and very, very beautifully, uh, they almost look hand drawn backgrounds. Like, of various, like, you know, locations around the town, the caves, and, but the, the dialogue's also very well written. It, it, it sounds, even though that um, I remember watching a documentary where they said we didn't try to go for a particular, you know, teenage voice for these characters, but it really just kind of captured, like, you know, the age, the age group that they were trying to portray, and it just felt really natural. So it's, I haven't played through the whole thing yet. I'm, all, I think I've gotten more than a halfway through, but it's, it's definitely worth worth the money if you want to give it a try. If it, if the whole, you know, uh. Breakfast Club beats uh, the beats Poltergeist story is kind of your cup of tea. And cool. that's that sounds my pretty cool. What's it called again? Oxenfree. Oxenfree. As in Ali Ali Oxenfree. As in, is that a is that a phrase that you say a lot? It's. I've heard it. I've heard it. <laughs> really, I've it's, it's, heard that. It's it's from um, hide and seek. It's basically whenever. Uh, the person looking for the people hiding can't find them and gives up. Basically, they say "Ali, Ali, oxen free," and people come out. Wow! Yeah, I've heard it in American programs and stuff. I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like um, a Marco Polo thing. It's just like what the yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but no, <laughs> it's a good game. I've seen I've seen the name mentioned by people, but I didn't know what it was. So that sounds intriguing, uh, and I do like Telltale games, so. Yeah, it's, it's definitely go. got that feel to it, though. It's it, They do a spin on the dialogue uh, choices, options, that's actually really, really unique. I guess so it's I not like you're copying. I guess I don't need to ask, but is that on Steam? 
Yes, it is. It was uh, made available on Steam on the 15th, so... Cool. I'm trying to remember how much it cost. I think it was like, it was, I think at least with the in the states it was about like fifteen fifteen dollars. I think. So I don't don't know how much it will be in the UK. Probably about fifteen pounds. Okay. <laughs> no, they like work out for us. All right. Then. Yeah, we'll we'll just make it the same price. All right. Which is actually more. <laughs> Dan, anything that you've been watching or? Um, not a bunch. I've been watching Steven Universe. I said I didn't think I was going to do it. <laughs> um, I I, been, I watched like 15 or so episodes yesterday. Wow. Yeah, they're really short. <laughs> they're really short and they're, they're kind of fun. Um, like the show's like, it's, it, it, um, you can tell it's really trying to find its feet. And it's, and there have been a few funny moments so far and a few really, really fun, weird episodes like where Stephen tries to transform into a cat and he ends up like oh the cat fingers he ends up like being like a real full on like Cronenberg like body <laughs> thing yeah. uh, that, was, that was really cool um I'm just kind of waiting for it to turn into the episode that like the com- the fan community seems to think it is <laughs> and it's turned into the series that the fan community seems to think it is it is uh, a slow start yeah, yeah. So like it, it, it's kind of it, it, it almost could be any show at the moment. It's not really got like a strong voice yet, but I'm enjoying it, and it's um, you know, it's a good little cartoon, really. Um, and also I checked out uh the Don Hertzfeld Oscar nominated short uh, "What of Tomorrow." Oh. Have you seen, have you, did, did you mention this ages ago, Yvonne, that you saw it? No, I, I did not watch that one. I watched The right. Beautiful Day. Oh, that's, is that his feature? Or it's kind of long? Yes. Right. <laughs> My wife's cast um, a little bit. Yeah, I watched, I watched A World of Tomorrow, and it's, um, nice. if you know his stuff, um, then you kind of know what you're in for. It's going to be <laughs> slightly heady and a bit like philosophical and and like quite beautiful at times, but also very funny and and crude. He kind of finds profound ways to say things with very crude means, and I think that's kind of his appeal. Um, but this film itself was weirdly like more accessible than some of his other things. Um, it's quite straightforward and has a lovely message, but it's really entertaining. And you can watch it on Netflix US. And you should definitely check it out. It's 17 minutes long. Oh. Um, I could so, do that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not long at all. And it's seriously a really good, solid little short. And, and that's all I've been watching. Cool. Uh, <laughs> Yvonne, have you by chance had any time to watch anything other than ANNY shorts at all? Um, I've watched so many short films, so many beautiful short films. But um, I did also see, um, I, at the, I was a, a judge for the preliminary um, uh, visual effects study awards. Um, 
and I got to see a bunch of cool visual effects, of course, but I also got to see, um, because it was in the visual effects category, um, that I viewed, uh, sort of like a 30 second demo that was done, um, uh, by Epic Games and, uh, what a digital for, um, The Hobbit. They, they had, it's basically, it's for Oculus Rift and, um, it was just still a little, you know, demo short and it looked beautiful. <laughs> it was, um, at least what I saw. I didn't get to see with the goggles, unfortunately. But, um, oh man, it, I had mentioned before, it, it really, I mean, it's kind of what you want, um, VR to, to be for uh for cg anyway <laughs> for like for uh for animation um but it, you it was it was as though you um were sort of wearing the ring and you were in uh smog's uh where he he has his treasure and he's sort of like walking around looking for you and um breathes fire and stuff um it just looked cool i, I cannot yeah, I wait it. to see it yeah honestly um and and also what's cool is that uh, I, I heard a little bit of the commentary, obviously, and um, I guess the the dragon was mostly uh, key framed, like hand animated, so um, pretty cool. Like I, I can't wait to see that. So that was super exciting. Um, a lot of the other stuff was uh, really cool, uh, visual effects and animation and live action movies and stuff. But um, that was super. That was really really exciting. I cannot wait. <laughs> I cannot wait to um, purchase. Uh, well, once I can decide on what package to purchase, I'm totally going to get one. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, other than that, just been I've just been watching uh, a lot of really terrific uh, animated short films for Animation Nights. <laughs> and and log back continue. Well, <laughs> yes, yeah, because so. good. Well, obviously, it'd be good if you had some time other than doing that. But uh, <laughs> the, the success of the of the event, long may that continue, obviously. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, honestly, it was probably, it was, well, actually, I know because I looked at my watch and I have the temperature on it. And it was like 24 degrees Fahrenheit um, that night. And I thought, okay, well, it's cold outside. We'll see what happens here. And, uh, we had probably, probably about 80 people total. Um, and, and a lot of them were new. A lot of them were people who hadn't attended. Um, uh, and we, of course, we had, um, repeat attendees as well. Um, but it was incredible. It was just a beautiful audience and everyone loved lineup of films. Um, I actually, I curated it with Michael Collin. Ah, friend of the show. Yes. <laughs> A good friend of the show. <laughs> um, so he, he helped me, uh, curate and it was a, just a, a terrific lineup of films. Really, really beautiful shorts. Um, once I can, uh, once I can, uh, figure out a way, um, to sort of point people to the, the curated screenings, I will because, um, they're worth watching. But it, it, um, in the meantime, you could totally find information about the filmmakers, um, at the end of the program for the last uh, program and actually for all the programs on uh, animation nights.nyc if anyone's interested but um yeah it was a success it was a really terrific uh um event and we actually we had a, a filmmaker fly in uh scott rank flew in uh and said a few words his his movie baron screens so that was really terrific too 
we had a lot of uh, local animators there and then uh, directors and producers and voiceover people and uh, people from uh, all ages and um, all parts of the city. So, yeah, it was terrific. Yeah, I, I could go on and on about it, but I'll stop now. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what the theme is for next month yet? Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to Django about this. Um, we, you know, I'd never really... The theme thing was something that we had talked about initially, maybe implementing. But honestly, there are just so many great pieces. I mean, unless a theme sort of emerges on its own, it's not really something that I kind of plan for. Um, because I'm finding that it's just kind of nice to have a variety. Like, I, I love stop motion, but I don't think I'd really want to have or I'd want to curate a night of just stop motion, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, there might be something that we could do for maybe some VR content or maybe even some special effects content just because it's maybe a little bit, it's on a slightly different page, you know? Um, or puppets maybe, like some stuff that features live puppets. I would totally be into doing something like that, but because it's a little atypical, um, you know, that might be a theme. But otherwise, um, we're just kind of, watching the films, you know, and selecting them and sort of grouping to, to grouping them together sort of based on instinct, you know, um, because um, they're almost little um, pieces in and of themselves. You know, they stand alone, these um, these curated uh, evenings, you know, honestly. <laughs> it's almost like having a dinner or something, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like... Each piece yeah, served, yeah, each piece served. If you just had like a, potatoes, yeah. if you had like, exactly. like fries and crisps and, yeah, potato, yeah. And potato, you'd be like, alright, I get it, potatoes are good. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Right, it's like mashed, fried, right, exactly, boiled, sliced, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's all potatoes. Um, yeah, so I don't, it is, it's a nice combination to have them. I don't know, it just kind of works. So, yeah, I know that's sort of a long roundabout way to answer that question, but um, no, we don't have a theme, but we <laughs> do have a really terrific lineup of films. <laughs> we will definitely have that because, um, uh, you know, more and more films have been been submitted. I We have over 700 films submitted. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I have a, another guest curator coming in the next couple months who's lined up to help too, so... Um, I think that's what I'll probably be doing is just sort of incorporating people. I mean, I'll still have um, uh, quite a large, uh, I'll be, I'm curating as well. You know what I mean? Like we're curating together. Mm-hmm. In a way, it's just kind of an opportunity to let, to share the, um, not necessarily the responsibility because I watch all the films, <laughs> but um, uh, sort of share the experience, I'd say, you know, with other people. Um and, uh, yeah, we just kind of um, put them together. And then I wind up, so far, uh, up to this point, I've been sort of putting together the final order, um, which is, you know, um, something I'm really enjoying doing. Um, it takes quite a lot of time, honestly, <laughs> um, to get it right. But, um, I, yeah, I kind of love it. Cool. They've been beautiful, though. Yeah, they've been really beautiful um, pieces. I, I, You guys... Uh, like I said, as soon as I um, can, uh, I have a plan, but as soon as I sort of get it together and, and um, 
and organize uh, and figure out how to how to set this thing up, then um, hopefully you guys will have access to some of the lineup because um, they're I don't know it's great stuff. Cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're really uh, they're good films, and uh, yeah, the, um, each night is a little bit different, but um, really nice experience. Everyone stays too. That's the thing. Like stays and mingles and. Yeah, I don't know. I could go on about it, but um, yeah, it's super exciting. <laughs> uh, and the next one's February tenth. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, February tenth is the next one. And oh my lord, I almost forgot. Um, we booked Bill Plimpton um, for the Out to Sea Festival to do his masterclass presentation um, on April second, and we also he's also going to screen a film with us. Uh, during the course of the festival as well at Animation Nights. So that will be great. He'll um, One of his short films will be part of the programming. Very cool. Very cool indeed. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's a long old festival. <laughs> if it's, if it's started, does it go right on to April? That's a long festival. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, Out to Sea is January through April. So that's the thing, Animation Nights has a home for there as part of the festival for the next four months and honestly you guys the space is incredible like i don't know if you took a look at the pictures we have some photos up on the animation nights website um and it is nice i mean honestly it's like there's we have way more seating now for one thing we have um elevated seating like stadium seating for a couple of rows which is cool just cool and um and then we have um these really nice orange chairs, um, or at least they're sturdy, let's say, uh, but cool looking, um, <laughs> chairs that accommodate everybody. And then a bar to the side, but it's, it's Ooh. like a high end gallery space is what is what it is. Um, so it, tons of room, I, I, you know, way more room than, um, we had before elbow room. The other space was really terrific too. It was just a little bit, it had, it was kind of like an older funky kind of, um, art space, you know, which I loved, I loved that. Um, but this is just kind of, a, it's just nice. It's just, um, feels kind of upscale. Honestly, it's, uh, I'm still trying to w- learn how to be comfortable, um, talking to large crowds of people. <laughs> So, working on that. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) and it was a little bit slightly intimidating (laughs) because it's because of the space. But, uh, by the time it's all over. Right, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's what I mean. But, um, it was all great. I mean, it's all really terrific. I, I, you know, I'm not petrified or anything, but it definitely, uh, it takes a little getting used to, that's for sure. So we'll see as this thing, you know, hopefully it'll continue to grow. Okay. Very, very, very cool indeed. And <laughs> I think that's our cue to move on to our main topic and talk about acting in animation. Yes. Okay, uh, so now we're going to go into our main topic and we are going to be talking about acting and performance in animation. But when we say that, we're not actually talking about like voice acting specifically. We're talking about something different, aren't we, Dan? Yeah, yeah, I guess that's that's kind of it. Like, we're talking about everything in an animation performance, which is not voice acting. So things like, you know, how a character is moving, how they walk, you know, um, physical acting choices, things that you see on screen and uh, add up to 
the performance, as, as you would call it, in a live-action film of the characters on screen. Um, I, I, it's something I wanted to talk about because it, it's, it's really not talked about enough. Um, you know, when, when there are like, uh, critics reviewing films, they don't tend to talk about performance and animated movies in this way. If, if, if they, if they are talked about, they talk about voice actors. Um, and it seems like something which is really only discussed like within the industry. And, you know, if you become an animator and you start learning about acting and animation, it's like, it's all sort of, you know, behind closed doors and quite, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's just not really widely, widely spoken about. Or uh, it's talked about within the context of like motion capture and then the animation is just a side note as quote unquote like digital painting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate that. Uh, totally uh, wrong. Digital, Andy they, Circus. They yes. call it digital makeup, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Digital digital makeup, that's it, that's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And and, and it seems like great actor. it seems it seems really strange that only when like motion capture and like things like Andy Circus and Avatar happened did people begin to like understand Acting has been, like acting has been happening in animation since Gertie the dinosaur. You know, it's there is acting in Pinocchio. There's acting in all all those early early films because the characters are still moving in particular ways that kind of define those characters and like indicate right. their behavior. Um, right. Right. And the, yeah, be- behavior was indicated. It's just that um, the body mechanics weren't developed fully. So yeah, you have but, double takes yeah. and triple takes and stuff. It's just they didn't. Um, well, na- nowadays they don't read quite as well. <laughs> they don't read quite as well. Like animation, like when you talk about animation history, you can't help but do it in the context of Disney, which is kind of what you seem to be doing, right? Yeah, but I'm talking about movies that are done, that were done, um, like th- that piece that I did actually for animation for adults that was on, uh, the Academy event, the early and silent films, um, mm-hmm. done in, in New York City that sort of predated Disney and Steamboat Willie. Um, they're, you know, double and they're like double takes, but, um, really the character is what, just kind can, of. Can you just explain what a double take is in case someone doesn't? Right. So if a character is surprised, you kind of look and look again. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's sort of like that really cartoony, like, um, uh, like blink that happens when someone just can't believe something and they look and they look again. Yeah. It's like, what, what? <laughs> yeah. 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 Like it's that. a classic cartoony. It's the podcast version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the audio. <laughs> what, what? <laughs> um, <laughs> and so in the like pre-body mechanics um, and sort of the incorporation of a lot of arcs and stuff, you would just have a head movement and the timing wouldn't necessarily even be changed. It would just kind of be looped. So it would be look, look, look. <laughs> but, right. um, and who knows? I mean, maybe, um, maybe that was a, Effective when it was, um, emerged, you know, because the, uh, it was all new. It was just a uh, sort of a new art form, you know. But, um, yeah, to, to watch them now, it's a little bit, um, they don't quite, quite read as well, but you recognize it, you know, it's super interesting. And, and, and what's, what's body mechanics? Like, what do you mean by that? 
so then body mechanics, um, body mechanics was sort of invented by Disney, right? So, and you mm. could watch in those early, early films, um, you can watch like, um, from the time Steamboat Willie was first sort of started to like through Snow White and through, you could sort of watch the characters um, become more natural in their movements. And, um, and the principles of animation were sort of, were developed and mm. with the, those principles kind of define body mechanics. So it's <clears> things like, um, uh, working out, um, the timing, um, of movement from, uh, point A to B, number of keys in between, um, things yeah. like arcs in movement, um, uh, squash and stretch. I don't know. I guess we, <laughs> do we go through all of these? Like, <laughs> what oh, do they're you think? Long. They're <laughs> yeah, fast. I know, right? <laughs> but if you just like, um, search for, like the, is it the 12 principles? Mm-hmm, yeah. Of animation, then, then yes. you'll see the, the list. And the, the list, like, what they were trying to do in, in that time was just build a formula for believable movement. Right. Right. And compelling movement because. And compelling, for sure. Yeah. Things that had appeal. Um, mm. so yeah, you'd, so that you'd want to look at them. And, mm. um, and also to, um, the, the movement, uh, to create sort of clarity in movement. Um, and, yeah. and that is sort of, that does kind of, uh, it's directly related to things like vaudeville because there was silhouette and clarity. Uh, well, yeah. So, so, so I think, I think, um, what we're saying is, is all, all these things that <clears throat> as, as animation as a film medium was developing, film had always, had all, had almost like matured, you know, motion picture film. Um, language and grammar, uh, about like acting and editing had kind of developed to a point where it was working. But animation, like, there was this, um, evolution and it did, it, it technically did evolve alongside live action, but there came a point where when stories, um, when film, Makers wanted to start telling stories that were a bit more complicated. They had to develop a style of acting, really, that worked for animation. And I think, like, what you're saying about the vaudeville influence is lots of... Um, and I think it's it's actually it's a really Disney... Mm, but I think it's mostly clear... Uh, it's really about um, clarity, right? And also, I mean... It, like, it is. Not, yeah, I mean that's kind of the main, the the key, uh, like the the key relationship between something like mm-hmm. um, vaudeville, like stage acting, um, also uh, chap Chaplin and some of these other right. I yeah, mean, Chaplin. Ch- Ch- yeah, yeah, yeah. People like Ch- Chaplin and um, those silent movie stars. They were very um, technically minded. When it mm-hmm. came to how they moved and how that would be seen by the audience, they were always really mindful of, you know, like Chaplin with his staging, um, mindful of like how the audience was seeing something and, you know, that he was presenting things from the clearest angles. Right. Mm-hmm. And so those, these, so the, the nine old men at, uh, at Disney sort of, 
um, created, uh, these 12 principles of animation. Um, and it became the, I don't know, I guess, well, the rule book for everyone. Um, now it really like no one, no other like form of animation had ever before Disney had ever really taken the lead on that. Well, well, I, I think, think it was, I, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, sorry. I, I think the, the, the thing that, um, we were talking about when, um, you were saying, Yvonne, that animation in its early days had quite flat timing and it had all these big, like, almost, like, now quite surreal to look at, um, expressions and uh, things like that going on. I think Disney were going for, and, like, the term that's used um, to describe, you know, that, that very Disney golden age style of acting is um hyper realism where you um you were just looking at like a realer than realer version of life and everything was very orchestrated but also like like with snow white right but it's not just a matter of them making a decision to do it they um you know there are a lot of films that were sort of put off until later because um, Disney himself didn't think that the animators were ready to sort of tackle um, the film. And I mean, like Bambi, for instance, I mean, they did years and years of, of work and drawing. Um, it was really about just kind of trying to push it. It's not like they were like, oh, let's just um, just uh, let's just make hyper realistic movies. That it was it's a long, um, arduous process to get. Um, from begin, I mean, this was something that was invented. <laughs> it's kind of that amazing. Would, yeah. you know? that, would, that would take years. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and and they were all really fantastic drafts people. It really had to do with um, um, with with the sort of invention of of film, um, mm. and also um, analyzing analyzing movement and how you would recreate that. Um, through animation. That's a really interesting point that you made about, you know, these fantastic draftsmen mm-hmm. having to, you know, um, build a new medium. Yeah. And just because they were good at drawing, it doesn't mean to say that, one, they were going to be good animators. Right. And two, it doesn't mean to say that they're going to be good actors as animators. Sure, and and that's the thing. Like Windsor McKay is an incredible draftsman. He was a prodigy, mm-hmm. um, and his drawings are gorgeous. But the you could see where like the the drawings themselves, once they're sort of their drawings for movement, that they then you realize they kind of aren't. You know what I mean? But the drawings yeah. themselves are really good. Um, mm. So it's fascinating. It's really fascinating. And when you look at some of those early movies, those academy that academy uh, series, um, I guess the beginning of last year, um, was fascinating because to sort of see all these movies one after another, and you you could really see the progression um, and the the sort of perfection of these um, of something that was invented and brand new, you know, at the time. Yeah. I suppose the um, cliche is that all animators are actors. People often say um, because, actors with a pencil. Yeah, that's the that's yeah. the that's the one. <laughs> um, and it is a big part of animation that you have to um, have to be able to 
transfer. Sure. Well, if you're telling a story, then that story likely has characters, and those characters have to emote and exhibit behaviors and have clear wants and objectives. And, uh, yeah, you have to think about those things. Um, one, uh, I mean, I don't know about you, Yvonne, but one person who seems to like stand alone in the field of under, of like searching to understand acting and animation, at least from like a scholarly, uh, analytical point of view is Ed Hooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love him. And his way of breaking down, um, animated performances has really helped me like and inspired me uh and helped me like understand what what it means because um i remember he visited um um our animation school in bournemouth uh mm-hmm. when i was when i was studying there and he gave a fantastic lecture he he's a he, he does great lectures he um, does it's really, really worth seeing yeah entertaining and just just really compelling to listen to. Yeah. He, yeah, um, he gives examples and then he also does um he I saw him uh up in I think it was in Vancouver. No, it was um Montreal. And he uh he um it's his the the course that he does it's like a little masterclass thing or whatever workshop is acting for animators. So he gives examples um actually that animator that you mentioned the last time we were both on the Dutch animator, the father and daughter. Um, oh, Michael de Dokduwit. Yes, so he played that film for us when I saw his his workshop or was at his workshop. But oh, um, <clears throat> yeah, he talks about film. He talks about. He also I quoted him in one of those articles because he talks about Pinocchio a lot. Like, don't be afraid to scare children. You know, he's got like. His, <laughs> oh, he loves he, it. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, he but he t- about- yeah he does like sort of examples of. Um, it basically it's sort of acting one-on-one classes and he is a character actor. He's, he's, um, that's how he sort of, he got his, that's what he did for a living for a long time as a character actor, but he's also has a passion for animation. So he sort of breaks down sort of acting one-on-one, um, like how, what does the character, yes, what does the character lead with? And you know what I mean? He, like, how would you approach a character? He sort of hits on all of those things. Mm. Sorry, go ahead. You know, sorry, I, 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 I'm sorry for like trying to jump no, in. No, no, I can't. Mm-hmm. Tell it's exciting. It's, it's, it's so strange. Like, um, we we record these, and everyone is in a separate room. <laughs> so, like the usual way, like a conversation flows, where you're like you get visual cues from people. You don't have <laughs> that here, so I'm really terrible at, at listening. Listening. <laughs> um, one of the things that I really liked about Ed Hooks when, um. I first sort of met him was he's one of the few people who like bridges the gap between acting as like a stage and film craft and acting for animators. And he's, he, he able he was able to identify that they're actually quite different disciplines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what he, he, I remember him saying something like the main difference is, when you're acting for live action or for the stage, you're taught as an actor to be present and be in the moment all the time and to inhibit that, um, you know, the, your character in that sense. 
but with an animator, you don't get that. Like, being in character all day won't help you. It, it's, it's a much more, like, technical, um, mm-hmm. process. I mean, I mean, and there are different acting styles. Like, different actors can be more method, um, or more technical. Like, you know, they will say their lines in similar ways every time and there won't be so much playing around. Um, but that was like the key difference for me that really unlocked like what acting meant for an animator. And I think it comes down to trying to capture the, the essence of a moment. I don't know. You know, it depends though, because it, and Hey, by the way, you guys, um, you know, Ed Hooks has totally agreed to do an interview with animation for adult. I contacted him last year, so we can oh. do that anytime. Oh, cool. <laughs> I don't know about live on the podcast. I don't know if he has time for that, but he definitely, um, is open to answering He's questions. He's so nice. I send him, he, he, yeah. he always like responds to emails. Yeah, yeah. And, and he will like write some long old email yeah he's awesome no but um i had mentioned it before but he um he's on the list of people who said yes so awesome and yeah so maybe maybe he'll come on maybe he'll come on that would be fantastic yeah but anyway yeah but the thing is i was going to say though with regard to approach you know it really does depend though because um i know and and um when we can put links to some of these things online, but and maybe people have 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 seen them already. But with uh, bigger studios, but actually with everyone, and this and at Animation Mentor, they uh, teach you this in Animation for Acting classes, or Acting for Animation rather. Um, you actually you do exercises with lines, like you pick mo- well, you pick lines from movies um, as part of the course. And then you act them out like a hundred different ways. And, um, like really, if you're, if you're really <laughs> committed to, like the best way to do it is act it out like, seriously, like 80 different takes or whatever. And then, and record yourself. And then you sort of take those moments and analyze them and, and, um, and put your, we actually used, um, QuickTime, um, an animation mentor and you just put the audio right over you're acting, you know what I mean? So it's pretty funny. So like I did lines with like Kathy Bates and stuff and <laughs> it was that just like my really acting cool. choices, uh huh, with um her voice and did this for all kinds of different characters. So in that way you actually really are um uh acting in a just in a very in a very controlled way. Your your approach is exactly the same as an mm-hmm. actor's. And then um and what's interesting, what makes that interesting for the end result is that, you know, you're bringing your life to it and you're bringing your own personal acting choices. And a lot of studios do that. So you can um, Google this or, you know, we'll probably have links, <laughs> I'm sure. But like for um, for Rio and for, well, I know Blue Sky and Pixar definitely both do it a lot. And they have, like Dan, you had mentioned that there are, um, rooms specifically for um, reference recording and cameras are set up. But they've been doing this since the very beginning, too, just in offices. Mm-hmm. You can find old clips of of animators, like, acting out the parts. Um, and That's really so, fascinating. That, yeah. And that there, there are a bunch of great yeah. um, old photographs of um, animators, like, sat at their desks with mirrors. 
Oh yeah, that's totally having, something that you do. Yeah, you have to. Faces and uh, you know checking their expressions. And the thing is, a lot of times, I mean, what's really funny, and Dan, I know you've experienced this and probably done it. I know I, I do. Um, when you're do when you're creating when you're animating characters. And it doesn't matter if it's CG or like After Effects puppet replacement type thing or hand drawn. You tend to, um, it's not even about necessarily, like the mirror is really good in a way. Um, actually, the mirror is really good for like looking at your work to look at it in the mirror because sometimes you can see stuff you wouldn't see before. And the same way you'd use it for like a drawing to see stuff that's not quite working. It just mm-hmm. sort of re- gives your brain a little reset. But, what you wind up doing is like mimicking the action. So people will stand up in their seats or do stuff in their chair. And it's pretty freaky. Like when you have a room full of people like animating their characters and they're like, rah, 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 or, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and all you're really doing is um, you're like trying to feel where your body is and what you're doing for mm-hmm. timing. And also just to kind of like get a sense of it. And even though you can't see yourself doing it, it helps in this weird way. Like, um, so people who are really like into their little, I mean, honestly, like it's the most goofy thing ever. Like, but when you're animating, you just do it. You know what I mean? You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, yeah. <laughs> so people are, yeah. <laughs> it's really goofy, but it's hilarious. Cause it's totally, um, it's like prof- the professional way. Well, that's actually really interesting because there's um because there in that in that perspective that there's actually in animation in animation there's two actors in, in like in this in uh, working on the the movie because you've got the mm-hmm. whatever voice works being brought on for the actual characters' voices and whatever's being done with you know acting in the recording booth and then you've also got the acting. With the actual totally. animators on the on the animation itself, and it's a really interesting totally. marriage between those two types of acting. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, like, it's funny because I was just talking to this guy last night, and he's like, he's starting a like a, he's starting a distribution company basically for like um, film and and music and stuff. And we talked about. Um, like long story short, he he wants to inc- incorporate a lot of like um, behind the scenes stuff and development stuff, you know, as part of the package for the end result, which would be the movie or the album or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and we were talking about how you know there's a lot of cool stuff on special features, there is, but there's a lot that's omitted. And I know I brought this up a million times on this podcast. Uh, or at least uh, off off the like not maybe it wasn't recorded probably but I ramble on about it but um you know I feel like there is a little bit of a disconnect still and I think honestly that oh, people yeah. made, they make decisions not including stuff because they think it's going to be boring or you know they'll show like the movie star with the the suit with the you know balls on it or you know with the movie star with that whatever new suit it is or whatever new t- technology, but don't mm-hmm. really get into the nitty gritty of what the animators do- are doing. And I do think people would be interested in that. Um, it's just maybe someone's well, deciding it's not, you know, who are interested or not. It, it, it's, it's kind so of, be there. The, it's, it's, it, I, I, I think people just don't know that, it, that it's this right. whole other part They won't of, know unless the animators right? or the people who work on the film tell them. Or make, exactly. it, or make it wider knowledge. Exactly. And it, it is true that voice actors, when they are working, they do get very physical and they do, 
you know, depending on, on the roles, obviously, get very physical and very into it. And, um, you know, they, they might like hunch in a particular way or their bodies in all these ways to get this animated voice across, which is, you know, um, a thing that does happen. And sometimes, um, they are in fact recorded. I was going to say, they normally film, they normally film them these days, don't they? Yeah, I know. Yeah, the big studios. One instance mm-hmm. that I know, I think when um, I I remember mm-hmm. hearing about this a while back when uh, when Mark Hamill was doing the Joker for the Batman animated series and onward, you know mm-hmm. he he would really get into the role and uh, they would be recording his you know his his performance in the uh, recording booth and they would incorporate some of that animation or like the mm-hmm. motions that he did while recording as when when the uh, you know in the actual Joker animation, right. Right, but 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 I, I I mean like not to get too, um, you know, angry about it. The thing that like I don't like about those things being recorded and um, included in like these special features uh, is like it, okay. So if you see like Amy Poehler like throwing her hands up as she's emoting and she's acting out as joy. And then see the animation doing it. Mm-hmm. You might make the assumption. You, you, know, you might be mistaken into thinking that the animator can't act, and they need proper actors to show them how to do it. Yeah, and people because don't understand that. That's yeah, not true, yeah, of course. It is it, not true, but I think it's something that is really misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And while voice performances you know, drive and um, give a lot to animated performances as a whole. Um, animators who act really understand acting. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, I mean, it, it's kind of become controversial in the last few years once you get into the area of like motion capture um you know like Gollum on like the first Lord of the Rings film that he was in um The Two Towers Mm -hmm. that performance is a real like classic case of animators and actor working together to build reference material I mean there was so much cleanup done on that um motion capture uh there um, always data. is, yeah, and yeah. and in and in many cases they actually keyframed Gollum yeah. because there were things that Andy Serkis like physically couldn't do. Well, and but, there always is keyframe. There's a layer of keyframe on top of all of it, even if you have the raw data, because you couldn't just. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the, it's getting more uh, like specific, but you still have to. There's always a layer of cleanup, and there's always a layer of. Yeah, the keyframing fingers and r- subtle, tiny little subtle movements, and and I think someone honestly, I mean, it almost sounds like almost conspiracy, but it's almost like people are just there are people okay. making decisions about what to include in special features, and they're like, ah, that's boring. No one's it's too nerdy. No one's gonna find it interesting. Mm-hmm. But I wish that level of, de- I wish that was there, <laughs> that content, you know, information. Yeah, I mean, what 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 what's what's like kind of funny to me is. When you think, okay, when, when you think of like a big, you know, the first big, um, star who did, uh, an animated 
voice. Um, you think of like the genie and Robin Williams, most mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. think. And a huge part of that performance came from Robin Williams and mm-hmm. his his take on things and his like bits of improv and you know it was great. But so many people don't know about um, uh, Eric Goldberg, who mm-hmm. was the lead animator on on the genie, and how he had to listen to Robin Williams um, and think about how that voice performance translates to like movement and right. and, and behavior as we see it in terms of like expressions and how quickly the genie might move or whether it looks like he's shrugging. Or if he turns into something else. Exactly, yeah. He shifts all the time. So, um, yeah, I I, I think if there was just a little bit more effort to have it generally generally understood that animators uh, drive performances as much as the voice actors... Uh, I like that very much. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like um, if you're if you have a band, you know, I think the the film, the animated film, be the band. The voice actors are like the lead singers and the uh, or the lead guitarists, and the animators themselves are like the big supporting like bass bass notes. Like the performance would be broken without them. I don't know. I think the animators do way more than that. I think it's yeah. I think it's like more the voice actors, lead singer, um, animators, no. guitar. The voice is almost a backup. I mean, honestly, I, because you're taking something, you're taking, you're taking the voiceover and then you're adding that kind of, it's like the thing I was talking about before, how, you know, people who are animating things, you use sort of like muscle memory, right? And you may sit in your chair and do all, so all of that stuff is sort of, I mean, you're creating something from nothing. You're just using the voiceover as a base to, to build upon, you know what I mean? Well, um, I, really, I, I wasn't talking about, like, actual, yeah. po- actual importance within the film. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm talking about, like, in terms of which which one of them gets the most attention. Like, who gets oh, the most attention yeah. in a film? Oh, in terms of acting, okay, it's the actors okay. who gotcha. play the characters, whereas the real stuff is the musicians, not the singers. Mm, interesting. The animators yeah. are, the, are the musicians in this case. Sorry, gotcha. my analogy got confused. Right, no, no, right, I was I like, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I, I know agree. the animators do most of the work. Believe me. I'm just, I was trying to make an equal, like, so the, the folks at home like, okay, this is what it's like. It, it seems like it's, I, I, I think there is a conspiracy. Um, <laughs> it feels like it, right? It seems like, it seems like every opportunity <laughs> people have to like misunderstand it, they take mm-hmm. it. So yeah. like when, when there is... Um, uh, so they've been like using reference for ages and ages, and like um, mm-hmm. in those old Disney movies, like Cinderella and Peter Pan, yeah. um, there there were actors who were hired totally. by Disney to um, dress up in the costumes of the characters and kind of act out the scenes. Totally for the animators, so they had an understanding of like the characters' physicality and things like that. But it was really just like a rough guide, so they had a direction to head in. And then when they had back to their desks, then they start the process off, like, you know, thumbnailing and figuring out which poses are going to be needed and which expressions are going to drive the scene. 
Right. Um, Except for the some of the rotoc- rotoscope stuff, <laughs> which was obviously sure. But but know. that's like but that's the that's like the most widely talked about stuff <laughs> is oh they rotoscoped <laughs> this and all that old Disney stuff right. like all of, like on Reddit you'll see threads where people are like oh yeah but Sleeping Beauty was all fucking rotoscoped and you're like well <laughs> you you don't really understand quite how good those guys were. <laughs> like it seems like every time there's a really really good bit of realistic animation. Mm-hmm. Everyone is so incredulous that they just go like, oh, it's definitely rotoscoped. Like, um, <laughs> we saw, um, I saw that movie, A Letter to Momo, mm-hmm. at Odyssey. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has like some stunning animation in it. And <laughs> we came out and I knew like some of the animators like going in and I was like, I was recognizing their, their shots and I was like, oh yeah, that's definitely so and so and I came out and I started talking to someone about the film and how beautiful the animation was and they were like yeah but I mean like it was rotoscoped and they made it look really good and I'm like no 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 it wasn't rotoscoped like it's it's for some people it is their job and they've been doing it for so long that they've managed to get so good at tricking you like it's 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 like it's that pure thing of like animation is a magic trick Right, where you're just yeah. fooling someone into thinking that they've seen a person in a film, you know. Uh, and I think I, I can't blame people for being being confused. By well, that. that happened um, when I went to see Anomalisa. It, there was a Q and A afterwards, and one of the questions, <sighs> the question, like I, I swear to God, it felt like a good percentage of the audience as mm-hmm. as well as the um as well as the moderator jonah hill i don't know why <laughs> um like had no idea how like had no idea how the movie was made and and honestly the directors didn't really change like anybody like didn't really say much in defense of the animators which bogged me i mean one of the women was one of the audience members made a comment about like Related to motion capture, and I was just like, "Really? Like, hmm. yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like no one got the whole stop motion thing at all. They were like stop motion, motion capture, same thing. Um, you know, it's just yeah, it's very strange. I mean, yeah, definitely there's room for um education on all of this stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, 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 but it, I mean, yeah. the, the the challenge is like there's as much room for confusion as there is education. <laughs> Well, I mean, but then you have, like, you have, you know, Anomalisa, it's great that it's gotten so much hype and buzz, and it really, really has, and there are ads for it everywhere, which is cool, at least here, anyway, and, or at least, I don't know about television either, but let's say, like, on the little, um, on the websites where I, like, watch media when, when I do, but, um, but also, you know, films like Song of the Sea, I mean, the reason that we love it so much, or Princess, uh, uh, Kaguya, right? The, they're so beautiful because of the acting choices. Because Absolutely. you know, the little baby rolling along the the uh, floor. You know, you're like, oh yeah. my god, look at that! Like it's I mean, relating to human beings. You know, the Song of the Sea. Those moments with the little boy, like acting like a brother. You know, are all acting choices. You know. Yeah, that's um, a really really good point. Like that you brought up is that. Um, and I think it's something that is, I don't know about you, Yvonne, but it's something that I've seen people misunderstand within animation, like within the industry, 
And it was certainly like a thing that was around at school for me, um, at animation school, which was um, like everyone really aspired to the like milk call like mm. idea of acting in animation. And like all of these like impossibly subtle little inflections mm. in his characters and you know, the um the ballet of it. Mm-hmm. Um But acting in animation, like and Ed Hooks is Ed Hooks is a champion of like oh, understanding Yeah. yeah. Ed Hooks Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, it's just sorry, it's right. Um, I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite things that he said in like relation to all of this is, is, um, and, and, and he does like, he has a great book called Acting in Animation, which is like an analysis of like, I think eight films and he's chosen, um, like Disney movies and wrote El Dorado and Spirited Away and mm. Tarzan and there was, I think there was, it was Gromit in there as well. Hey. But he basically, what, what he was like doing with that was he was showing that acting doesn't necessarily mean like the whole like ballet and you know the um, the elaborate you know sort of Disney thing. It it you can you know South Park has acting. It, it, it and, and 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 my favorite thing that he that he said and I think contributed to like understanding acting. For animators, is is that um, it, good acting does not necessarily equate to a lot of movement. Mm-hmm. Um, That's interesting. The, well, you know who else besides Ed Hooks um, is, of course, Richard Williams, the animator survival kit. Those DVDs that he released, um, the box set of DVDs, are actually now you can get the app. You can get an app oh, it's uh, great. on your phone. And yeah. there are exam- acting examples all through that. And in, in his lectures, he does, um, you know, all kinds of acting. And, and he's uh, so funny in those. Yeah, <laughs> so thing, good. Like, he's, like, crawling. he's like this, like you know, seventy-five-year-old man, like crawling mm-hmm. along the floor like a baby. And yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Oh man, I would love to. Oh, I would love to reach out to him. I'm going to send him an email. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be busy to... with his office. I know. Everything. I know. Prologue. Oh. Oh, he's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really want to see that. Like, it played at um, a festival in the city. But it played at, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon once uh, <laughs> during this festival. And it's like, who's going to get to see that? Um, anyway, so, um, and, and, and what, one thing that I, I like about, like, when you're talking about acting and animation is that, um, it gets, it does get really abstract as well. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, the, the, that Pixar short that made them famous, Luxo, Luxo Jr., mm-hmm. um, that's all acting. You understand like how those lamps feel and and from from their behavior, but it's like it's exhibited in this way that's like 
quite abstract, really. And and you know, well, like, yeah, because you're <laughs> going at it. Yeah, you're going at it from two different directions. I mean, it's kind of basically it's what you touched on before. It's like about what Ed Hook said, and then I mean, and I sort of basically like you're you're okay. So you're acting. Say you're doing the whole one shot yourself. So you're figuring out what you're gonna do. You're taking reference of yourself, and in that way, you're sort of trying to be an actor, and you're doing all these different takes. But then you're taking that reference, and then you're analyzing that. So then you're going at it from、mm-hmm. a different perspective, and you're taking then you're ta- making thumbnails based on that, figuring out keyframes for clarity, figuring out staging, figuring out which poses are most effective. And then once you have sort of your keyframes, then it's a matter of getting the character to move from one keyframe to the other in the most、um, appealing way and the most、mm-hmm. effective way. And then you're thinking about timing. And then you're trying to sort of put all those pieces together in phrases, which still communicate the original intention that you had, with of course like changes in discovery is a long way. It's a huge Endeavor. It's crazy. It's it huge. And, and what's so what's so cool is like you pretty much just described there the entire process of、mm-hmm. of, of acting and animation、um, for you. Right. But, but, for but various in various degrees, and in the end, it's it could be garbage. Like you can but, go through all of that, and it can just be shit. You know. But what? <laughs> Or you know what I mean? That's amazing. But, but what, what's really interesting about like what you described there? I just swore. That went、mm-hmm. up to probably not more than what, like ten seconds of. You know, you have to work so hard and put so much into a moment, which is like impossibly fleeting.、Mm-hmm. You can just like whiz by, like right. You know, that's why. Yeah, and that's why Dan and I are so getting so passionate about the whole、um, <laughs> animators don't get enough credit, like idea, because it's because the、like, voice actors. Come in for like、yeah. a week, maybe. Right, on、like、they get paid a day、week. rate. Yeah, <laughs> have some cookies,、yeah. have some juice, or whatever. <laughs> and then, and then the brilliant then, ones. Yeah, they, they don't even have to get dressed. Exactly.、Yeah, they they love that.、Oh、yeah, they God, go. They I get to go to work in my pajamas. It's brilliant. <laughs> they love it so much.、Um, but、uh, yeah, but then like the animator takes that like ten seconds and. They work with it for like at least a day,、mm. you know.、Um, sometimes longer, depending on like production and things like that. I think I think where I sort of understood what acting, like performance and animation,、mm-hmm. is. I think there's like sort of two films that sort of made it click with me, like last year,、um, and one one was Song of the Sea. Where、mm-hmm. all all the movement, you know, subtle and everything. And when I was talking to Tom Moore. Or、uh, there was a question that you sent down about about that basically, and that really sort of cemented it in my mind what what it was that it was the difference between Song of the Sea and like Frozen and you know stuff where、mm-hmm. it's all really big over the top acting. And the other thing is like there's just just one moment in How to Train Your Dragon Two that、um, I won't say what won't spoil the film for anyone who hasn't seen it, but there's like one bit where. The character played by Jonah Hill、um, is sad for some reason、um, at a sad event because he doesn't understand stop motion animation. <laughs> and、uh, <laughs> he has、uh, his 
it's that it's like um <laughs> this is internal thought trying basically trying to not show his emotion and mm. like this there's this little little thing where you get to see him sh- trying to not show his emotion and it's so it's like this just like little subtle thing of someone trying to not cry right. in front of people and that's like oh wait no wait that's acting right there but that stuff and that stuff is so hard to do that's the thing like so you can have in in especially in with CG so basically what you do is you're breaking down and that's the thing there are two different things going on here depending on or different many different things going on depending on what style you're choosing to try and convey all this stuff in right because there's acting mm. in all kinds of different if, actually a really a great thing is to go to uh, go to a 11 second club and they um that's a, a monthly uh is that still going on it is right yeah it is yeah, yeah. um so so basically um they post um an audio clip and then animators attack that audio clip they have um uh, a month to do it's usually 11 seconds and, and um and everyone posts their they uh, there's a judging uh monthly judging competition thing and the winner wins i think a critique by animation mentor actually um but the, it's cool because it's all about acting. It's all about animation, acting and animation in all different styles. And most of it's CG, but some stuff is hand-drawn. Um, a few times they, people have used um, uh, even uh, rigs, like sort of uh, more previous type rigs, and then added um, acting, layers of acting on top of it. But, um, but it's interesting. The approach has to be different, though, You like depending on the medium. And we've talked about this before, but, like, I always put it to, like, if the stuff that you're sort of keying to move forward that you can't, you don't have tweens for, like, if you're trying to draw something, it's almost like a donkey in a cart, right? You're, like, plodding along, you're, like, having to draw everything you want to have happen. Whereas with CG stuff or anything that has tweens, like the computer-generated oh. keys, um, you have to reel in. It's like a racehorse. It's like, where, where are the reins? Where are the reins? Like, because um, if you don't reel it in, yeah, if you don't reel it in, the computer just um, mathematically creates keyframes based on one pose and then the other. And what happens oh, it's is it's funny. Kind of it's funny. Weird floating bad. symmetry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bad computer animation is is exactly that. It's something that's been half animated by the computer. Right, right. So yeah, so it's just sort of making mathematical choices without considering any kind of timing changes or any of the arcs or anything that um, that sort of, that those those twelve principles um, sort of uh, point to, right? As things uh, as as a rule. Um, so it's more mm-hmm. on the lines uh, when it comes to that kind of animation. You're more like the computer does the math, and then you kind of give it more of a you give it more guidance. Exactly. Yeah, you have to reel it in or pull it back or take away, take it back from the computer. I think um, I think that's 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 in. seriously. That sounds, like a, that sounds like a philosophical battle. It is because you put mm. in your your keys, and then you have to control how the computer. Um, yeah, you're not really giving much for free. Um, you have to sort of use. Uh, Sort of, yeah, like reel it back, like pull it back from the computer as the computer deciphers all, all the in between frames between your, your, your two keys that you put in. And, I think, um, I think yeah. that's why lots of them, if you, I'm, okay, in relation to this, I'm gonna post a really good video, um. Oh, good. Of, um, an animator who worked on Tangled. Mmm. Um, that shows his whole process. Awesome. Uh, during the, uh, Mother Knows Best 
sequence. Oh, oh such yes. a good one. The- <laughs> and, 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 and he shows you like how he, how he, you know, um, broke everything down. But what he actually does, he doesn't, he doesn't actually, um, like tween anything until really late. He, mm-hmm. he, um, he uses step frames. Yes. And he just sort of like, he keys so like you are snapping from one drawing to another drawing right so basically you, you what you i mean do you guys know very much about this basically you're you do you start with or at least one approach i mean people do have their own approach but in general this is how i was sort of taught and a lot of people do this as you start with sort of um large you start large and then you refine 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 but you kind of do that for everything so maybe you first attack like the body the motion of the body right and then um once you have that down then you would put in more detail like face and fingers and things like that and i'm just specifically talking about like cg stuff but the thing is my point is that by the, by the time you by the time you get to the details of that kind of acting that you're talking about, Chris, um, in How to Train Your Dragon, there's mm-hmm. there's a skill level that's involved there that not everybody has or has yet, you know. <laughs> so I don't know. I I there's think a lot CG, of CG really, out there. I think <laughs> CG has really like opened the door though to like a degree of subtlety. Which yeah. we've not seen like in animation for a long time. Mm, except there is a lot in, in animated short film. Um, uh, Lavatory Love Story. Oh yes, is a beautiful uh, short film. I think it's nice Russian. You showed you shared that with Lavatory Love Story. Lavatory Love Story. Um, tons of little like subtle movements with um, line animation, or at least. Or can, like, there's just a lot of really good stuff, subtle stuff. Mm-hmm. And that has uh, yeah, to for, just do with, yeah. I gotta check that out. For me, like, that was the, that was the, when I first saw it, the thing that I took away from Princess Kabia. Mm, right. Like, the degree to which, yeah. Um, they studied life and everyone moved. Babies. I mean, even though, even though they were like these deformed animation designs. You know, quite quite stylized. Mm-hmm. There was nothing uh, unbelievable about how they were moving, and yeah, it was it was really that thing of like holding a mirror up to life, and uh, yeah, just putting that into animation. Yeah, and that, that's part of that. that's mm-hmm. part of it, isn't it? Really, the fact you going to its logical extension in that animation can give a Performance like a lamp, or mm-hmm. or you know, a non you know an animal or whatever. The acting doesn't have to be applied to a realistic human. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Anything. Mm-hmm. Like I think what was this? Um, a short that I watched relatively recently. Um, because I, I uh, one of the, my uh, Christmas gifts I got was like a whole bunch of uh, Disney uh, Animation Studios shorts uh-huh. that were uh, put on all on DVD, and one of them was um, called TikTok Tale, which is basically about a whole bunch of these uh, clocks come to life in this uh, in a store, and basically trying to characterize these clocks, and you know, depending on what they, you know, how they looked, what they did, how they um, chimed when the out when the hour hands were both at the top, you know, of their faces. Yeah, sounds like and Pinocchio. <laughs> it was. It was really interesting because they didn't give um, 
with the way they animated the clocks, they didn't really give them faces or anything. I mean, other than the way clocks normally look. They didn't try to make them mm-hmm. super, like, stylized or anything. They just looked like clocks that could mm-hmm. move around in way, you know, ways that people never thought they could move before. Like, you know, like people. Mm-hmm. So, like, that, I think you can kind of tie that to a- to acting in animation because the fact that they were trying to, you know, take these inanimate objects, you know, based on how, you know, whatever kind of clocks they probably had lying, or you know, that they had seen throughout, you know, you know these big antique clocks, little clocks, you know, wristwatches, and say, mm-hmm. okay, well, how can we, how can we get these to look like they're acting, or like, how can we make these act in a way that mm. people can relate to? Mm. I think what's like kind of interesting is like, um, so when you're doing animation mental, mm-hmm. you're and and when you're just like learning to animate in general, I think schools encourage you not to get caught up with designs. And character designs doing most of the work for you when it comes to describing a character. I mean, right. ideally, if you're a good animator as an actor, you know, if you're a good acting animator, you should be able to like take a stick figure and, right. and emote with that. Well, actually, there's a really good. This is another resource for people, but um, uh, one of my mentors, um, and he also is a writer, but um, he's, <laughs> but anyway, he's a terrific animator. Um, Wayne Gilbert, um, created a booklet that you can purchase. Um, it's really inexpensive. I can't remember how much does it stay in here. I actually just pulled it down from the shelf. Anyway, um, it's called Simplified Drawing for Planning Animation. And basically what he does is he uses, um, in order to create the torso, he just sort of uses, um, he uses boxes, right? So what you're conveying when you do your thumbnails is your, it's, it's the whole idea of it is to simplify like what you're saying. So you don't get too precious with your planning drawings and you can just change them. And then really the focus becomes on timing, uh, where the character is in space um, arcs of everything attached to the character, um, you know, all the stuff that you have to sort of think about because the idea is that you want to get everything done. You do, there's like a rule, like a sort of a catchphrase. It's almost like, like 80% or 90% is just planning. And then, um, you know, and then you sort of dive into the, to actually using the computer <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Like getting into the nitty gritty of that. Oh yeah. The, the, the way that I, um, I love it is Milk Carl said that he, spends most of his time not drawing. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, exactly. And so so this um so Wayne Gilbert um he breaks down in a really terrific way this um uh, sort of simplifying the character, but basically what you're doing is you are um you're thinking about um weight and you're thinking about force and what forces are acting on the character and is the character creating the force? Is the force being acted on the character? Um and what is that doing to the um the object. Am I being like nerding out or what? <laughs> um, you are. What, what, what I'm thinking like right now is this, there's so much more that like and and, I I, and of course I'm and of course like we're really you know championing animators like when we when we're talking at the moment. But all of these things that like stage and film actors get for free, mm-hmm. you know, like they don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're thinking about like how a character is physically going to be walking. But the consideration of, like, how gravity right. 
like affects them frame by frame in the scene. They don't have to worry about that stuff. That's taking no, that's, yeah, exactly. Nothing's free in animation. No, mm-hmm. and, and that's the thing, like, you can't even, cons- we can't even talk, like, you can't even talk about acting until you can get, like, a ball to bounce or, or convey yes. weight with timing and space and, and sort of have just a little bit of a grasp of, um, ah, oh, geez, actually, we're opening up the box. <laughs> we're opening up that box that we had oh, talked no. about opening before, um, uh, with regard to, uh, eh, you know, the subject of like style and realistic movement and acting mm-hmm. and the importance of all of that in animation to convey story. You know what I mean? Like, we um, open that box? <laughs> I don't, we I probably don't need a couple episodes for yeah. that. Exactly. Yeah. I don't that know. might be, that either. might have to but, be a but, whole nother podcast episode, guys. Like, totally. A couple. What, yeah. What, what, <laughs> With yeah. guest speakers. We can make a series. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With guest speakers, honestly. I mean, yeah, because it's, it's a it's big a one. Podcast in itself, like a whole <laughs> feat. Um, I think what, what's kind of cool though is like what you what you mentioned there, Chris, with that with that character you saw. That one tiny moment, like as as you were saying, like you you noticed it because it was damn good. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like everything everyone's talking about, like went into getting to the point where they. The, the, the animator like understood how to do that. Right. It's, it's, it's like magic for me. And like, by the way, I, I'm, I've had like some experience, um, like doing acting in, in animation and it's really hard. Like mm-hmm. you have to know so many disciplines like inside out to, to, um, to do a good job. Yeah, I, and I wouldn't say I. Yeah, I. I'm not. Uh, yeah, no, I'm still. I'm still in the trenches, like digging a deeper hole for myself constantly. Yeah. <laughs> the, you know what I mean? Like it's it's tough. It is difficult. Yeah. Like, but such a incredible, like amazing challenge. <laughs> oh, one 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 cool thing actually, Rachel. Like you were talking about that Disney short with the clocks. Yes. Um, one really cool blog that I uh, that I remember reading, um, Victor Navone or Navone, mm. he, he's um, he's, he's a Pixar animator, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, is that right, Yvonne? <laughs> I think so. I think he so. was um, he, he was also part of. Uh, he's also been involved with Animator Mentor. Oh, really? Okay. Um, but he's, he's got like this great post about, um, limited, uh, animation and how that like works when it comes to acting. And there's this really cool moment where he was talking about, um, how you can convey, uh, a moment with acting with a completely non-human character. And there's a great part in, in cars, like, yeah, cars of all things where, um, there is, there is, I mean, and it is a really, really clever, um, like moment where, um, Lightning McQueen and Sally, his crush, are like hanging out at, um, basically like they're kind of like in this semi-romantic sort of, um, uh, 
like situation. Yeah. And and in like in in live <laughs> action, it's probably like the moment where like the boy and the girl at bus stop, and the boy is like got his hands behind his back, and he's really sheepishly like drawing circles uh, on the floor with his foot, and his like knee is kind of turned in a bit. You know, like if if you're doing like the big vaudeville like pantomime version of that scene, yeah. But, like, how do you do that when all you have to act with is a car? <laughs> And the really cool thing is, like, in this in this scene, like, the front wheels uh, are, like, used as feet. So Lightning McQueen is, like, looking down at the floor, mm-hmm. and his front wheel is turned inwards. <laughs> and he sort of drives back and forth a little bit on that front wheel. And it gives, like, exactly the same effect. Oh, my God. Let's I see, have to go back yeah. and watch that scene now. This is sure I, it's I amazing. Know, pick up on that. Yeah. You know what's interesting is I was thinking about this as you were talking about that because I think, I mean, if we're talking about like, like, um, like putting all the, the amount of talent and effort and everything aside <laughs> and just talking about acting choices, um, the reason, I mean, another reason that the animator's influence is so important and the reason that, um, places like Animation Mentor sort of, um, focus on the animator creating their own acting choices instead of saying uh, say relying on um things that have been done in the past or in other movies and you know there's a reason they're not like oh go look at these movies and make thumbnail references and then use that you know what i mean no they they're trying to get people to draw from their own life choices and the reason is um they don't want there to be cliche choices and um and you know of course that means like um, well, doing classic things, which they talk about, like, oh, I, I'm confused. I'm going to scratch my head, you know, or, or I'm going <laughs> yeah, to yeah, put yeah. my hand on my chin, or what could that mean with two hands up wrist, you know, akimbo, uh-huh. like, well, you know, <laughs> so that's the idea is that, you know, the animators drawing from their own sort of instinct, gut instinct about what should happen next. Um, they're drawing from their own life experience. And observation, exactly. Like, yeah. Uh, which, but, um, which, which leads to, like, these yeah. choices. Um, Brad Bird talks about this in, mm-hmm. in a lot, and it's really funny. He'll say, like, you'll know when you're watching crappy animation because you're seeing, like, poses and expressions and moments, like, Frankensteined together mm-hmm. from yeah. lots of other things. And he says it gets so boring, and you can tell that, like, these yeah. animators have not, They've just only studied other animation, and they've not studied life and right. how people really behave mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. put that to their work. Right, or how they behave. I mean, I guess when I say instinctual, mm. it's more about that whole, it's more about, like, like uh, muscle memory or, you know, like, what would I do in this situation or, yeah. But it's also yeah. exactly about what you observe in life, and that's why, yeah, I'm encouraged to sort of, you know, sketch all the time and observe and... Um, you know, just be yeah. thoughtful. <laughs> I mean, that was that was one thing that I found when I was doing like a tiny bit of a, of um, of animation and and trying to think about acting was actually avoiding like what would I do because it's not about what I would do; it's about what the character would do. And um, you oh really, yeah, no, that's the other it's, thing. It's yeah, it's a whole yeah. Sense. It's a whole other side. That's what I mean. Like, it's such a complicated process, though, because you're sort of using both and also being influenced by um, the sound, sound or, you know, voiceover, if there's voiceover. 
that's just character. acting, isn't it? Because I mean, that's actors when they're trying to portray character. You know, they, they that's they, you know trying to put themselves in the character's mindset when they you know true they do true. But sometimes you're dealing with things like cars or creatures yeah, or. Yeah. You know, I mean, with the creature animation, it's really fascinating because what you wind up doing is you can't act it out. So you you say like you have uh, a creature that's maybe a combination of different elements. So it'd be like part elephant, part giraffe, and there are all there's all kinds of reference and stuff online. And you basically that I mean, I never drew more than I ever I drew more in that um, animals and creatures. Um, class than I did I had for a really long time because there was so much thumbnailing to do like I it was awesome um but you take because you study birds and you study all these different um videos of animals and then go to the park and look at dogs and stuff in real life whatever you could look at the zoo or whatever and um com- really combine stuff like you were inventing yeah um or attempting to invent let's say um motion or at least you know in the planning stage like really kind of um, pulling from all these different things to create uh, your character is fascinating stuff. And mm, that's before and you even dive into the little timing animation portion. I mean, because those, those elements, those uh, principles of animation apply to the main body. They apply to arms. They apply to eyes. They apply to eyeballs, eyelashes. You know what I mean? Like, it's so insane. you got to do all that one at a time in order to try and keep yourself from getting overwhelmed with just doing a single object or creature or person. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, you have to... That's why you sort of, like... It's a really good... I mean, I feel like everyone should study animation because it's a really good... Um, it's sort of like dealing with life, too. I mean, you sort of break stuff down into small pieces and <laughs> take this, like, momentous like thing that you have to achieve and you sort of plan... And st- you know what I mean? Like you, mm-hmm. you have to be an obsessive, and if you're not an obsessive, you, you become be, one. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's true too. That's true too. But um, but yeah, um, yeah. Okay, so basically, what you were saying about like a combined performance of on, like kind of like got my head spinning off on something, and a really big deal, like when it comes to how performances in animation were seen as a long time, particularly like in the, from the Disney tradition, Disney model was there would be one animator assigned to each character. So, um, in beauty and the beast, uh, Glenn Keane was like Mm -hmm. the lead animator for the beast. And he didn't touch any other characters when he was working on that film. Um, and I think Belle was, um, uh, her, her animation supervisor was, uh, James Baxter. Mm, right. Um, and of course, like, so like, they, they kind of had a hold of the character throughout the entire production. Um, and they had like a team of, of like assistants and, other animators uh, in their team who were all like in service of approaching the film with this one character. Um, and every single shot is going to be of, of Beast and Beauty and the Beast is like supervised or if not completely animated by Glenn Keane. Um, and that's the way it was like for a long time. And then what happened was... Um, Around like, I think 
it was basically Toy Story which changed the way that that was done. And it's now the norm, it's, it's the norm now in CG where you don't actually have lead teams for each character. You mm-hmm. have animators, um, being assigned shots. Right. Where you <clears throat> animate all the characters in the scene. Um, and it's, in, it, I don't really know what it means or like whether it has a huge like difference on how characters are approached, but the other interesting thing is that when you're watching these animated performances, in some cases, like with the older Disney movies, there will be a character who has like an association with an animator in that production. But nowadays, like there might be thirty different characters, uh, 30, 30 different animators working on, like, say, Carl Fredrickson and up. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like an interesting place because once you let the animators uh, really express themselves in in individual ways, um, you have this effect of a character which is unlike anything. And my favorite example of this is Tokyo Godfathers, (laughs) where animators were assigned shots. And they draw the characters in like completely different ways, like from scene to scene, depending on like what the scene calls for. They might be drawn more cartoonally or more um, realistically, um, and like that's something that you just there is just no equivalent in, in live action about. Well, mm. I mean, there's no there's no equivalent to a character whose whose performance is a combination of, like, ten different people's interpretation of right. that character. But, like, the effect is, like, kind of seamless when you watch it. Huh, a movie. that's really interesting. And it's 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 just, like, it, I don't really know what it means. It just blows my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's what really separates acting and animation from any kind of... Uh, acting or just just what really makes animation in itself unique as opposed to any other form of uh it's one media. thing definitely. it's yeah it's absolutely like one thing um and like a, another thing is like when you when you watch inside out um that's a really interesting film to watch and think about acting because the characters inside uh, riley's head are unbelievably cartoony and they're like their acting is very stylized and you compare that with the outside world and everything is really, really subtle and nuanced. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's like, you know, it, it has a lot of those smaller moments, like the one that Chris was talking about in House Training Dragon 2, where like the complexity of the character rigs are really used to do some much, you know, more subtle things. Uh, Right. Yeah, that change in style is um, definitely an arena that's specific to, well, CG and animation, right, or effects and animation. I think so, yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, and we've cited examples, too, and um, the, like, uh, Princess... I mean, certainly, uh, certainly Kag- to the Princess Kaguya, remember the, that super emotional scene that changes the running into the field? Oh, my oh where God. all the lines get really, like kind of crazy and like yeah 
mm. where there's yeah, a style change really there. Striking. Or um, in Bambi, right, there's um, multiple style changes to convey uh, the sort of movements within the piece and changes in uh, time and changes mm. in, in story. Um, yeah, it's really something. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's one, one, one tiny other thing is like, when I was a bit more of a, I'm, I'm like a storyboard artist now, and a story revisionist, and That's what, hardcore. I don't, I don't have to think about acting so hard because I am listening to voice performances a lot and mm-hmm. using them to drive like quite pose to pose style of animation. Um, but one thing that I use as a compass for like understanding what it means to convey a character in 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 an animated performance was this uh making of Princess uh Mononoke uh documentary, which is fantastic. And there's this there's this video which I'll which I'll pose a link to where Miyazaki is talking about um he's reviewing a shot of Ashtka who's like the main character and he's running. And he flicks the paper and he reviews the scene and he's disgusted in like cartoonishly typical Miyazaki fashion. Um, and he, and he throws it down and he says, the animator doesn't understand the character. He says, look at this. He's running and he shows like a pose of, of the character running and he's running through like a bush and he's got his arms up and he's sort of wincing. And he's like, Ashtika would never do this. He's not a weak guy. He would run into the bushes, like, with his, you know, with a determination about him. And for me, like, I always watch, I, whenever I got stuck on, like, a, a shot when I was animating, I'd go and return to that video because for me, I think that is, like, the essence of, of what acting and animation can do and what the, the effect that getting it wrong can, can have. Is mm-hmm. just completely uh, misinterpret a character for the audience. I su- oh, that's interesting. I suppose, kind of, the thing about acting and animation is, if you do it right, people don't notice it. <laughs> right, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. It, yeah, that's that's its biggest problem. That is, people just don't think about it because it just seems natural. It's the magic trick, isn't it? Yeah, it's oh. if, if you if you get acting and animation right, it's invisible to most of the audience, right? And it's only like if it really stands out as glaring and wrong that people go, "Oh, that looks a bit weird," <laughs> right? Or if the yeah, yeah, if the or, or well, if specifically the for yeah, specifically for What's CG that? though, I mean, because that really um, stands out. It's it's. Um, it's difficult to, um, well, to, to wrench your, your, your work away from the computer, you know, and then acting, like we said, like a whole nother deal. But there's a lot of floatiness. I think we've kind of proved that it's a huge topic and a bit of a mm-hmm. mind. <laughs> <It is. laughs> because there is so much that is not generally, um, known, like not even understood, just known about. About the craft and about the uh, the discipline. Mm-hmm. 
Because then, yeah, yeah. We'll but I, I, I hope we've done, like, I think we've done a pretty good job of, like, a thorough introduction. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've learned a lot today. We sort of, we could definitely, we could definitely dive into the first section. We sort of stumbled around a bit. <laughs> but, um, you know what I mean? The 12 principles and all that stuff, we sort of stumbled oh, around. Oh, no. The 12 we, you could probably do a podcast like a that could have, each of the principles, probably. <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And the and early Disney and the transition from um, early animation, silent animation to the beginning of Disney is a whole nother um, podcast as well. Yeah, I know. Cause we, cause we sort were of just kind of like, touched on that stuff. Yeah. Very stumbly around that because I really was... stumbly. No, me too. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a fascinating because, subject. <laughs> it's, it's basically like, because no one really understands it. And, and, and animation as a, um, uh, as like an analyzed, um, acad- academic, uh, like subject is not really huge at all. And, really? and uh, well, the fact that like we only really were able to talk about Ed Hooks when it came to, you know, scholars who understand <laughs> acting in animation. Richard Williams. Sure, sure, but I mean, like as um, as much as like film might be. Oh, I see what you're saying. Well, yeah, that's a whole other thing too. I mean, honestly, I sort of um, was had a, bang, a, a uh, if I can't speak uh, a brain bend when I was listening to um, to a podcast. It was like one of it was like the treatment or one. Of, I think it might have been the treatment. Um, you know, they talked to to entertainers and actors, and it was an, there was an interview with Dustin Hoffman because he's got some. Uh, um, new class for actors online. Like a lot of actors are doing this now. And he was talking about, he was talking about method acting mm. and the sort of inner monologue and thought process that goes on for, for the character. So this is specifically for actors, right? He's talking about, and I, it just made me, it sort of, I made, it sort of made my brain hurt a little bit to think about that. With the, you know, I mean, this is after all the work that you do in body mechanics. This is after checking arcs. This is after making sure your timing is exactly where you want and your poses are exactly where you want. Mm, the technical. But then stuff. that extra layer on top, say you get all of that done, to sort of create the inner monologue or like the subtle stuff. I don't know. It's just like where would you even integrate that? You know, within all of that planning, it's a strange thing. There, it's like. It's it's, it's kind of like something that you just have to do in every step, right? Every yeah, step, every I guess. like blink has to add up to describing what you want to describe in that moment. You know, you know what it makes me think of? And I think about this often um, is um, it's like trying to animate a magic trick. It's like trying to animate a magician doing a magic trick. Mm. So like, what do you which you're kind of, doing it anyway because that magic is about um redirecting the eye of the viewer right yeah so but then isn't that interesting though it's just as a concept i mean not actually well, to do i actually there's a great like afi um interview with spielberg where he talks about like how old he is with animation and he's like you know directors we have to know what exactly what we want mm-hmm. and he says the thing that he blows his mind is is like 
is is animators because he says they have to know what they want like for each frame 24 frames a second and mm-hmm. he couldn't even begin to process <laughs> like what that meant like he could he was saying like I can do that for shots right and 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 um and moments when I'm editing but like knowing exactly like I think he uses the example of like a, a squirrel running or something and he's like <laughs> knowing exactly where that foot has to be um is is like the essence of it is knowing what what you want and uh that's why that's incredible. It's, it's still like an amazing it's that's why it's still just blows me away when when you see a performance that works and that's and you know, how you got the nut job too yeah <laughs> <laughs> and you know and what's even crazier is the whole i mean i know vr has been around a really long time but um but if it actually sort of i know it's going to move forward it's going to be more accessible and, and different things will happen but like that kind of idea of sort of guiding the eye of the viewer and all the things that you do within like staging um for for each frame not just for animation but for live action too right um that's all thrown out the window with with VR because oh, the viewer wow. has the ability <laughs> yeah. to look all around the room. So you wind up using like sound to guide them. Um, and it's something that it's fascinating. It's like the wild west a little bit because all that stuff is just kind of suddenly you're not even creating animations for you're not cheating to the camera, which you would always do you're not um tracking arcs for one shot you're looking at the motion of character from all kinds of different angles mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um okay uh it's been a very interesting <laughs> conversation but i think yes yeah i think have, i think we, uh, yeah yes. either we, we got uh-huh. 10 more hours or we we, yeah, let's. We should probably wrap it. We, up. we have to. We have to call it a day eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm a bad influence. <laughs> no, it's awesome to have you back on the show. It is. Yeah, we missed you. <laughs> it's really fun. <laughs> but yeah, it's been a very interesting conversation. I hope you all learned some things, um, and we will be back very soon with more animation chat about. Some other stuff. I don't know what yet. Um, and well, we're still in the planning stages for that, but I'm hoping that maybe we can uh, maybe get uh, Jill on next time and so we can see if we can get that uh, long-awaited TV podcast. Woohoo! Nice. So, yes, we want yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, and so we will see you very soon, and you can keep up with everything we do on animationforadults.com and on you can follow us on Twitter at AFA Blog. You can find us on Tumblr, Pinterest, Google Plus, and Facebook. And you can find me at Mr. Christor on Twitter. And you can find Dan. Where can we find you, Dan? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Hamu, H A W M O O. Awesome. And Rachel? You can find me at Failty Ninja. And Yvonne? I am on Twitter at iSnare underscore Inc. And also, um, if you would like to submit a film to Animation Nights New York, please do so on uh, Film Freeway uh, or and check out the site at animationnights.nyc. And also, if you're in the New York City area, please uh, look at Out to Sea 
org. That's S-E-E. And uh, we've got tons of events and things to see. So Awesome. And if you'd like to drop us an email about anything, you can do so at podcast at animationforadults.com. And if you like the show, you could always leave a co- you can leave a, re- a review on iTunes or Stitcher or podcast.com or, or wherever you want. And that will help more people find the show. And that would be awesome. So we will see you very soon. Goodbye, everybody. Take Goodbye. <laughs> They do that on podcasts so much. It's like the cool thing to do. Like someone will come in and then they'll start talking and then it'll, it'll be like a famous person on a podcast and they'll go like, oh, have we started? <laughs> yeah, this is it. This is it. <laughs> uh, like, I love your American accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was quite, I love it. Yeah. It, it love, I love it so much.